0: Gavin, Gavin. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hey, Louie. How are you? I'm doing good. Just going through my neurosis, my psychosis, all of the fun spice of life, you know,
1: (laughs) you know, just making it through somehow Mm -hmm. making your way downtown, walking fast.
0: Yes. Something, something
1: lyrics, homebound.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, homebound's a little too close for comfort. Not anymore, (laughs) but was for a while. Um, I was just mentioning to you how much I enjoy your haircut. Um, I'm jealous that you get other people to do your haircut because literally, I am Cameron Diaz, my sister's keeper, just shaving my own head in the restroom. Okay, that's where I'm at. In life. And by that,
1: you mean the public restroom?
0: No. Uh, yeah. Well, they 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 can't keep me away. <laughs>
1: Hi everyone! Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. <laughs> we're a film podcast in which we take a film subject, such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we give you a big old history. And then we're like, "Here's the high points, and here's some low points." What if we gave them a little mystery? You know, like the <laughs> <laughs> little history, a maybe little rewrite. mystery, rewrite history, Duck tales.
0: ooh! Uh-huh. Ugh, they don't make those like they used to, huh?
1: It's certainly not theme songs. Everything no. is just a title and a a sharp chord.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: The mixer views. Whomp. Is it
0: it's like a fully like Christopher Nolan like trailer? Yes. <laughs> Just Speaking of which, me and Derek, Derek for the first time watched um Interstellar. Oh yeah. And Love is what, the
1: fifth dimension.
0: And I and it's he was like, whoa. And I was like, I know. <laughs> um But I felt very, like, educational. I was like, I actually saw this movie, like, for the pod. It's, like, crazy (laughs) how, like, I'm so well-educated. Other other movie we watched, um, Cruella, um, which I did not like. Yeah, it's not Um, very good. People seem to like it, though, so what do we know? I know, what do we know? All I'll say is it is the definition of a Beautiful Gowns movie. Definition.
1: Very that. Very, very that.
0: Absolutely. Moving on. Ladies and gentlemen and other, welcome to The Mixed Reviews. We have some a little bit of old business. We've got a poll we asked you guys to go take for our last episode, which was all about Pedro Almodovar. And yes, you can pay me to say that sexy to you whenever you want. (laughs) Pedro Almodovar. What a delicious
1: um, episode that was by the way and I don't I don't mean to interrupt but like no. I had a, I had a lot of fun because I, I I think I even mentioned it in the episode I went in real nervous mm. real like hemming and hawing like what are people <laughs> going to think you and were
0: hemming and hawing
1: heing and hawing as there per are, my roots.
0: Yes, yes. Um no, I I totally agree and I think the reaction uh, to the podcast from you know our friends and listeners is clear i mean it's it, it's such a you know he's such a beloved um filmmaker so stylish i honestly one of my favorite um episodes to watch for um we've mentioned before like this takes a lot of work to like go through down the rabbit hole of like our subjects and um really commit to watching as much as we can but for him i was like oh, pour me some vino babe i'm sitting <laughs> on the couch all week So we asked you guys to go onto our Twitter and vote for your favorite um, Almodovar film. And here are the results. Uh, Bad Education came in at last with 16%. And then literally the top three was just a squeaker. Okay. They were within votes of each other. Um, Volver, which was my pick, came in in third with 25%. Pain and Glory, which was our both kind of like secret pick, uh, came in at second with 27%. And then All About My Mother, which was your pick, came in at 32%.
1: Listen, uh, if you come in here and you ask about the Pain and Glory, it won't be on the menu, but we both know how to make it. Yes, so. yes,
0: yes. She's on the secret menu, okay? That's on the Friends and Family only, okay?
1: I am shocked that All About My Mother won. It, for a very long time, it looked like... It was going to be pain and glory with yep. Volvere like very close behind, and suddenly all about my mother shot ahead. But I will say that we had such engagement in the poll that it all made me happy. Like there was yep. there wasn't a bad choice in the no. bunch. So
0: no, I mean, and and there's there's just so much. I mean, I had a a live watch party. This was before the pandemic, <laughs> like years ago. Friends, uh, uh, it was like a bunch of queers over at a friend's house watching all about my mother and it's just like all of us like with our little cocktails clutching our pearls gasping like doing you know we were like the judges on legendary just like clicking our little (laughs) fingers just like so enraptured by this beautiful beautiful movie there truly was just not a bad pick um so thank you everyone for voting um we love to see it um Thank you to Almodovar for all he does. Oh yes, um, and
1: please keep doing it. We're so yes. I mean, we're so excited for Parallel Mothers.
0: I know, it, it premiered, right, at the at Venice. Venice
1: Yeah, Venice Film Festival did really well. Uh Penélope Cruz won best yes. actress. So yes. seems to be doing well and we'll we'll see her around Christmas, you know. Yeah, we-
0: around Christmas time, Gavin, we're going to have a watch party. It will be for Parallel Mothers. Uh, Everyone in the tri-state area is invited. Um, (laughs) See you then. But that was last episode. And now, Gavin, we are inching oh so close to episode 100. Um, But why don't we tell the children who we are covering for episode 99.
1: Heaven. Mm. must be missing an angel mm. missing what angel now we're doing Cameron Diaz
0: it's Cam. it's Cameron D and Cameron D. <laughs> oh yeah Cameron Diaz um who I must say uh, shout out to my good friend shaddy who uh suggested he didn't suggest he literally just accosted me and said when's the Cameron Diaz episode <laughs> so shady slap girl. slap yeah slap slap slap. Uh, on his jetpack, he just like vanished away because he is um, an angel. Charlie's angel, that is. Uh, but yes, we're doing Cameron Diaz, and I'm so excited. Um, we haven't had a like. She is a Hollywood star. Yes, you know. Um, we have, and, and I don't mean that to be like you know disparaging. Um, I'm not saying she's not an actress, but she is a star.
1: We- We've often had this conversation on the yes. show about actors versus movie stars, and we're not here to disparage either, in all no. honesty, because one can't really exist without the other. There are people who are going to come into movies and they're going to change it up. They're going to slap a wig on. They're going to throw on an accent. They're going to mm-hmm. squint an eye or something like that. And and then there are people that like just show up to be beautiful do their thing and are great in their role and yeah. and they really supply that that person for the other actors to play off of. Right. And I and once again like I'm not trying to disparage her, I think Cameron Diaz is
0: great at that. She radiates megawatt Hollywood star power. Like there is a reason why that I mean that smile just she goes on like she, when you see her on the big screen, you understand Oh shit. Like she is there because she just has that something. Bitch, there is something about Mary. Okay. Like I'm like <laughs> I mean that's the that's
1: the whole thing about that movie is they didn't yes. have a backup actress in mind. The Fairley brothers wanted Cameron Diaz because they saw her as the most perfect woman.
0: You can like go to school to become an actor and actress. You cannot do that to be a star. Um, And she just has it, you know, and I think as we go through the journey of Cameron, um, we're going to find, you know, she did make attempts to get into more serious acting to various degrees of success. Um, You know, there were some bumps in the road, Um, but I think she was always at her best when she's just given the runway to fucking shine like the star she is. Um, Do you remember... Your first Cameron Diaz moment? I
1: mean, I I genuinely think my first... I I can't imagine it being anything else. I think it was her first film, The Mask.
0: Mm -hmm. I I
1: saw The Mask uh, with a good grade school friend of mine the opening day. And she's just... It's so funny because... And once again, not trying to tear her down, I don't even think she's necessarily that great in The Mask. But she's such a presence. It's so clear when you look at her, that she's a star and yeah. she's gonna pull focus, and that's not easy to do in a movie where you have old rubber face himself, yes. you know, eyeing every five yeah. seconds.
0: And it's not only Jim Carrey; it's literally an actual cartoon Jim Carrey, like yes. it's like <laughs> CGI, wooga wooga ooga type shit going on, and she is just being ever so demure in her little dress. Dancing her fucking ass off, um, being great, being like, you know, just saying, hello, Hollywood, I'm here, I'm a star. I think that kind of sets us up for a really good episode. Gavin, are you ready to get into the
1: rewind? Oh, I'm ready. So let's put it into full throttle.
0: (laughs) Wow. Good for you. You know, I'm always happy when you find those. You think outside the box. That one wasn't as good, but whatever. It's a thinker.
1: It's definitely yeah. a thinker.
0: I'm just trying to keep my head above water. <laughs> Get out no, of here. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not even funny anymore. <laughs> Cameron Michelle Diaz was born August 30th, 1972. That makes her a young 49 years old. What's wild is I was talking to a friend who knew this factoid about her that I didn't. She went to high school with Snoop Dogg in Long Beach. Um, And in my head, I was like, wait, that can't be right. Like Snoop Dogg certainly is way older. And he is older, but not way older. No, Uh, She went on um, Conan, I believe, and talked about how they kind of knew each other. She's pretty sure she bought weed from him once. Um and he would say, oh yeah, she hung out with all my little cheerleader gals yeah like
1: which is funny because she wasn't a cheerleader, but we'll get to that she wasn't <laughs>
0: um, she was a model that's actually a difference she was on uh, the,
1: but she was also on the dance team
0: that's okay. the yeah well, well, duh. Hello. Have you seen her movies? She's a dancer. Yeah, she, she is. She is. She prefers to be called a dancer actress, actually, not <laughs> a, not an actress dancer. Born in 1972 in San Diego. Um, she's, she's from Long Beach. Uh, her mother, Billy, was an import-export agent, and her father, Emilio, was a foreman for an oil company. Um, she has an older sister. I don't know how to say this name. Shimane Shimane. Ch- I was, I, try- I was trying to
1: pronounce it to myself earlier, and then I was just like, you know what, I'm not good at this. No. <laughs> so I don't have to talk about her sister. Just know she has a sister. She
0: does have a sister. For anyone wondering, yes, um, that Diaz um, is a Hispanic last name. Her father is uh, Cuban. She would not call herself a Hispanic or Latino, I think. I think she's very fine knowing and understanding that she lives a, a white girl life, and... <laughs> Bless, uh, it's the Christina Aguilera of it all. She went to Long Beach High School. She talks very lovingly about her, her upbringing. Says the education that her parents um, provided for her.
2: I was so lucky to have just the best parents who really um, trusted and um, empowered, and um, you know, they just gave us everything. They there wasn't a moment where my parents weren't. Teaching us, they were always teaching us, very actively teaching us um, work ethic, um, how to be a good person, how to treat people, how to be um, a good human being. Like that was a very important thing to them.
0: She mentions that they were a pretty frugal family; they were not like well-to-do. They would collect uh, cans and trade them in for money, Um, but that they were very happy. It was a very normal. Blessed um, upbringing.
2: Both my parents worked, so it wasn't like they were like off lost to mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, there was that we knew we got up with them, we went to school, and they would come home eventually in the evening after work. And I even think back to my childhood because my sister and I, we had the babysitter that. All the kids went to in the neighborhood. There's 35 kids and like one woman, and all of us were just animals. You know, we're like just ripping each other's hairs Ugh. hair out, and God like it. it was just like mayhem it. every day.
1: While she was at Long Beach Polytechnic High School, she was a member of the dance team, the polyettes.
0: The polyettes. The, the Polianas. Pollyanna. The Pollyannas. Yes, the Pollyannas. At the ripe age of 16, she signed with Elite Model Management. Um, this is a one of the largest modeling agencies. She she didn't world. even have to
1: do the pendulum runway. She didn't have no, to No. Can you believe? She, she didn't even have to do the one on the water. She said Tyra, no thanks. Yeah.
0: She returned that tabermel Yeah. She's like, I'm in high school. I'm a sophomore. My-
1: <laughs> <laughs> she was actually Tyra in these envelopes in front of me are two pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both They're of both them are of sending me. you home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um she appeared for ads in ads for Calvin Klein and Levi's and literally when she was 17, she was on the cover of Seventeen Magazine, which no longer exists, but at the time was a very big deal. I didn't know Seventeen Magazine didn't exist anymore. It, it, it There is a website? What, what do
1: young queer boys do now? Do, like, do they sneak into their sister's room and like read their time magazine what
0: <laughs> i don't yeah time magazine for kids i think teen vogue comes out once a quarter yeah and 17 i think just exists online but kind of just like they own the brand name but it doesn't do anything and, um, and
1: teen vogue's like beat nowadays is like why donald trump will burn in hell so yeah, like yeah that, not exactly not, the cameron diaz on the cover
0: <laughs> no uh, but she was on the cover as their like real life seventeen girl models. Um, they interviewed her, and and she says that in the, in that interview she says um, she's probably going to be a model forever. Um, but if she wasn't modeling, she wants to be a zoologist, um, which is very acting wasn't even on like the brain. You know, she was just like this regular model girl who wants to like love animals. Well, guess what, Mimi? Modeling she forever, did. zoology. <laughs> Not in the cards. <laughs> in the early 90s, she is just modeling about. You know, she goes to Australia. She shoots a commercial for Coca Cola. I see you've got my message.
2: I see I'm not the only one.
0: This is just the Gigorama. Um, similar to um, a story that probably most people are aware of Vanessa Williams, when she was young um, and a model and an actress, took some salacious photographs. Um, that were later used against her um, in her career. Uh, same thing kind of happens to Cameron Diaz. When she's 19, she was photographed and videotaped uh, topless in a uh, like fashion lingerie shoot, um, but it's like kind of SNM-themed. That stuff was never released until, we'll get to it later, Charlie's Angels Come On.
1: So she's doing her modeling thing, and the producers of the film, The Mask, see her at a modeling agency and mm. ask for her to audition. And she thinks she's supposed to go in and read for this smaller female role. She's never said what the smaller female role is. I assume it was the reporter played by Amy Yazbek. Uh, But she goes in, and they're like, no, we want you to read for this larger lead role the funny thing is what she doesn't know is they had cast Anna Nicole gag yeah Anna Nicole Smith was supposed to play that role and she ended up having to drop out of the movie and so they needed a replacement but they still made Cameron Diaz has said she had to audition 12 times and that 12 Is honestly an
2: estimate? Uh, yeah, I give 12 because it's an estimate. So, um, yeah, I, I read plenty of times with Jim and with Peter Green and for Chuck and with Chuck and with the casting director just to, um, you know, get new line to say, OK, OK, we believe you.
1: She lands the lead female role in The Mask.
0: If She's just like really lucky that Anna Nicole had to go shoot those trim spa commercials, you know. yeah, That's what happens. Really busy, you know.
1: Trim spa, baby. She just uh, kept interrupting Takes to say, "You like my
0: body." Body. I love Ann oh, Nicole. Rest so in, I'm rest not in making, peace. Yeah, Angel.
1: R- R.I.P. Truly, we were wrong about.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> she auditions multiple times, gets the role um, of of Tina, uh, the jazz singer, the dancer. Um, truly, the mask. Highlights all of her talents, all of like, you know, what she's capable of bringing to a role just of radiating um, energy, charisma, uh, you know, and just obviously that this bombshell blonde SoCal gal. Uh, And guess what? Um, She starts getting acting lessons after she's cast and the mask very casually becomes one of the highest-grossing films of the year. As I was saying
2: about that tie, kind of reminds me of one of those what do you call it, um, ink blot tests.
0: Rorschach right. test.
2: Right. You know, it sort of looks like um, a young woman riding bareback. Sort of a Lady Godiva or something. Of course.
1: What do you see, Mister? Um. No.
0: It's, it's a power tie. It's supposed to make you feel powerful Does it work? It certainly is one thing to be a model where your body is your job um, but then to turn it into you know the physicality of acting um and in this role where literally she is like a sex symbol like you know on a completely way more massive scale than anything she had done before.
1: Yeah, this is uh, fully an objectification role. I mean, she is barely a character with any agency at all, other than she's the object of the affection of the main character, Stanley Ipkiss. Um, And yeah, I mean, she gives a lot for kind of an underwritten
0: character. We talk a lot about the mask in our Jim Carrey episode. And our 90s superhero episode. I encourage you guys to go visit those um, if you want to hear more about that. The long and short of it is... She don't hold up. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, moving on. She dibbles and dabbles in some, like, independent things. Also, I think, kind of starting to pave a path that she continues to go down on or, or revisits again and again with these, like, black comedies that I don't know. I don't know how you feel about them, Gavin. For me, I'm just like, what is this? There's so many of these nineties movies and it might just be that like the mid to late nineties were very, I don't know, beanbags, lava lamps. (laughs) what were we all thinking at the time? You know, there's a movie she does called the last supper. Um, I did not watch this. Gavin, are you familiar?
1: Uh, I've actually seen it a couple times because I remember as a kid, There was a preview for it on a VHS I had, and I swear to God, and I cannot find any proof of this to this day, (laughs) that on the VHS, the title of the movie was just Liberals.
0: Oh,
1: okay. uh, Are you sure it wasn't called Snowflakes? (laughs) (laughs) And essentially, it's a film about five liberal grad students who decide to take it upon themselves to start ridding the world of arch-conservatives by inviting them over to Sunday dinner and poisoning them and burying them in their backyard and planting tomatoes over them. Um,
0: I actually... And what was step two of that, actually? I just I did, I did not get that.
1: Um, you know, it, I I think Roger Ebert's review of it was really astute uh, about saying, you know, it was rather dark fare in a rather toothless time. And it's good to have a reminder that your freedoms are often dependent on the kindness of your neighbors. Um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, but I, I, I like this movie for, as some of its arguments are very stupid and some of them are very base, but I think for the most part, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting concept. Courtney B Vance really fantastic in it he plays one of them and I think honestly if you were to if you were to be like you know this is the first movie Cameron Diaz acted in Mm -hmm. I would have to agree I think she's pretty good here
2: but Heather you're you're high school senior I mean when I was in high school you know I was curious
1: I'm sure you were
2: (laughs) you ever have any of those feelings I and mean, they can be really nice no offense ma'am but that curiosity isn't human nature but rather your generation's lower standard of morality that has put my generation at risk Heather, you're not hearing me no i see a great danger in the world and i want to stop it Yet we have to get back to family values in
0: this country Mother, have you ever had sex Luke! <laughs> I'm lumping this in with like this time period because I have seen the next movie and you know how I feel about it. Um 1996's Feeling Minnesota. Yeah. Which we talked about for a Keanu Reeves episode.
1: Oh, we talked so much about it. Um, and I'd rather
0: not have to do it again. <laughs> it's allegedly a crime comedy, but um we're gonna the put comedy set, in the
1: heaviest of quotes.
0: Yeah, I I would argue a lot of these alleged comedies she makes in the late 90s artists like men in the 90s really thought they were saying something. They yeah. really thought that they were like doing all of that.
1: Hey, I don't uh, I don't even want to just blame men. I want to blame white men.
0: Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes. The white men who were like, but Daddy, I want to make a movie. Exactly. Also in 96, she does she's the one um with Jennifer Aniston and Edward Edward Burns, who like is the epitome of that white man that we're yes. talking about. Okay, good. I saw it
1: a long time ago. I chose to revisit her. And it's just frustrating because this was his second film. It was made for millions of dollars as opposed to his first movie. And it's just a movie about terrible white men being terrible and why we should understand that they're terrible. Mm -hmm. And Cameron Diaz's character in it is a, it's, it's hard to determine whether she's an active sex worker or a former sex worker, but the movie is so judgmental about it that it's hard to watch. But once again, I actually think she's pretty good in it. She does this sort of cold distanced thing. And actually I'm going to talk about another movie that she does that in later. But I kind of like when she does it. I almost think that she's stronger when she's not really trying to tap into those primal emotions. I think she's certainly more interesting.
0: Right. I think, like, this time period between the mask and, honestly, my best friend's wedding, like, it almost was like this is, like, her training grounds. Like, she was going to, like, you know, training of, like, Hollywood 101, how to fucking deal with all this shit, like... She does one more movie in this time period called Head Above Water. Also an alleged comedy. It's like <laughs> murder a lot and twists and turns a lot. Craig Sheffer with his shirt open a lot. Who has... He's has a falcon.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the 90s. I think I texted you when you mentioned you were watching Head Above Water You know, the 90s were filled particularly with a lot of films that were purportedly about women, but truly just about the awful men in their lives. And that's a a very good example of it. Like, she's on the poster. She's the selling point. But honestly, if you could tell me anything about her character, anything at all other than she's blonde.
0: I did not know this, but she was supposed to be in Mortal Kombat, the original movie. Yes. Um, Bitch, think of Cameron Diaz as Sonya Blade. Gagaroni. I know. Uh, she had to drop out of the film because she broke her hand while training for the role which just means that she is a badass okay in 1997 is when like kind of the stars align again for her um she's in uh, a mainstream movie uh, um not the lead but a very big part in um uh, my best friend's wedding um she is the gal who actually is getting married to the best friend and sh- again she's perfectly cast in this because up against julia roberts who you're supposed to root for typically it'd be like oh fuck that bitch but like it's impossible to hate cameron diaz like she this character this woman is in the right you know like yeah this is the psychosis is all on julia roberts and her character and so yeah she's just she's just perfectly deployed in this movie michael and i were a
2: wrong fit right
0: from the start
2: He said that too well, I thought I was like you. I'm proud to be. Till I met rumpled, smelly old Michael. Then I found I was just a sentimental schmuck like all those flighty nitwits I'd always pitied. It's funny, huh?
1: Yeah. I need a cigarette. That's actually one of my favorite um, films of the 90s, I think, in all honesty. It's such a good, amazing romantic comedy. In yep. so much so that it asks you to root for the villain because yeah. Julia Roberts is the bad guy of the movie. She is the yes. architect of her own downfall. There is very little in the film that occurs to make you say Cameron Diaz is in the wrong. Um, yes. I think what's also really funny is Julia Roberts handpicked her to be in the film. Okay. She was she, she was like, she's the one I want to to portray this woman. And I it's pitch perfect casting because this is, this is the Cameron Diaz of the 90s. This is so, the sort of like... And this is not a knock because she's always been incredibly thin. She's a thin woman. But like yes. the sort of rounder face. The like angelic, beautiful... She it, has
0: she has like the, the classic Cameron hair. You know, yeah. like when you think of Cameron Diaz, she always has like... It's not quite a bob, but it, it's bob length framing her little cherubic face... Um, yeah, I mean, my best friend's wedding is the blueprint for the rom-coms to come, and boy, do they fucking come. (laughs) Um, but, um, what would her career have been if she had taken Mortal Kombat, or had done Mortal Kombat? I know. Like, we don't see her in in a lot of action things, certainly not to the level of Mortal Kombat.
1: Right. That would have yeah, been nuts. The, the, most of the action-oriented stuff she's done has been, like, slightly tinged with comedy. And yes. there's some funny beats in Mortal Kombat, but it's certainly not laugh no. out loud.
0: No, 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 no. She's just wrapped um, My Best Friend's Wedding. It's now 1998. And guess who comes a knock, knock, in? The Farrelly Brothers of Dumb and Dumber fame, and they want to make a rom-com, and they want to make it with Cameron Diaz.
1: What's funny about this, too, is they're completely gambling because even though they're famous for Dumb and Dumber they've just come off of Kingpin and Kingpin was an unmitigated disaster Mm -hmm. even though it's kind of a cult film now most people didn't love it when it came out so the Fairley brothers thought we're never going to be able to make a movie again so why don't we make the sickest thing that we can think of (laughs) and so they come up with there's something about Mary and once again handpick Cameron Diaz to play what they envision the perfect woman which is a little right. sexist, if you ask me. But
0: honestly, I so when I rewatched this, I was like, "Oh my god, this is why that writer wrote Gone Girl." <laughs> um, like Amy, amazing Amy is based off of Mary. <laughs> she's just like, she's just a girl who wants to like meet a guy who can drink beers and have hot dogs all day. That's literally a line she says. If you have not seen, there's something about Mary in a long time. Um, I would say revisit her. Uh, it. Is a lot more than just the um, come hair moment. It's the obviously like outrageous, gross fucking things. What you don't remember is that like the movie is narrated by like this Jonathan Richmond. These these troubadours, you know, who are like come and go throughout the movie.
1: Yeah, Uh, I love Jonathan Richmond. So
0: yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. And I also will say that I. Appreciate that the movie knows how fucking creepy and stalkery the obsession with Mary is. I I was a
1: little shocked because I expected it, and like once again, I'm not, I'm not absolving the movie of its occasional sexism. I'm not absolving the movie of its correct of its homophobia. I'm not absolving the movie of its ableism. But I will say, in rewatching it, I was pleasantly surprised at how aware it was about like, like this movie was basically a a big warning about incels before we knew what
0: incels were. Yes. Um, you bring up another point though. I did not remember the aggressive fascination with, um, people who are differently abled and like the comedy we're supposed to get out of them just for existing. Um, but again, I mean, it was 1998 and, You know, walking with crutches was, like, fucking high comedy, I guess. Yeah, the
1: height of comedy, yeah.
0: Um, But all that to say, you know, this movie, for whatever she was before, like, this movie multiplied it times ten and shot her through the stratosphere. You know, the movie was a sleeper mega hit. Um, One of my first memories of, like, knowing who Cameron Diaz was as a human being was seeing her at the i think it was like the 1999 um mtv movie awards and she was just everywhere and i think she won like a bunch of awards and the movie was just like a mega hit they were like spoofing it you know it was just like part of the culture you know the 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 gag of her hair sticking up was just what is that Hmm?
2: on your ear no, your left ear. Is that a hair gel? Yeah. Great. I can use no, 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 You don't have to. You don't. You don't, you don't, you don't. <laughs> I just ran out.
0: <laughs> she gets nominated for a Golden Globe, um, her first of four for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy. Um, you know, she's also in this uh, critically panned, also alleged comedy, Very Bad Things, uh, that I did not watch.
1: But, oh, man, it just and I'm going to make this as quick as possible. Very bad things is garbage, baby. It is speaking of sexist and homophobic and racist and
0: Jeremy Piven is in this so I can yeah, I understand
1: yeah. and ableist and I I don't like listen, I know that I sound like the most like quote unquote woke, but like this is so bad. And just to give you an example, there are Very few minorities in the movie, but it is a film about a group of white men who go to Vegas for a bachelor party and end up accidentally killing a sex worker. The sex worker is an Asian woman. Then a black security guard comes up to their suite and they have to kill him to keep him from finding out. So literally, this movie is like, minorities are only here to get killed, to have three lines and then to fucking die. This was the first film Peter Berg wrote and directed. Peter Berg would go on to make, I don't know, every jingoistic, rah-rah, post-911 American film that's ever been made starring Mark Wahlberg. So ah! honestly, Maya Angelou has always said when somebody tells you who they are, you believe them. Believe them. Believe them. Yeah. And, and Peter Berg told us who he was from the beginning and we just let it go.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what happens in Vegas? That's a call ahead, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> As the millennium draws near, I think Cameron is like, I'm done with these like alleged comedies and like independent black comedy is like it's enough is enough. Um, and she also is getting more interested in um, stepping away from the kind of gross out humor and comedy. She she says she got a lot of offers after there's something about Mary Um, for very similar films and roles. She all passed. She passed them all. Um, And her next role actually is 1999's Being John Malkovich. Um, This era, I think most people would say it was her trying to establish herself as a real actress, quote-unquote. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that means. Um, But you can tell she was trying to take more serious, more complicated, more complex roles. Um, And Being John Malkovich ain't a fucking bad place to start, you know? She gets tons of praise for the performance. The movie is also one of those movies that um, spoke to the culture, was, like, what everyone was talking about. Yeah. Um, It was so, like, heady, meta. It's not so
1: insanely out of the box but it's a type of film that a lot of people just weren't making in the 90s it's both an art house film but also an incredibly accessible comedy I do think it's really funny that a lot of the behind the scenes talk is about how they had such a hard time making Cameron Diaz look like a plain person Mm. and she would show up to set and nobody knew who she was and I'm like okay guys like But once again, I think that goes to exactly what we're saying about the fact that she's a movie star. She radiates movie star presence. And so you have to go extra out of your way to be like, okay, we're going to make you a normal person. We're going to make you look normal.
0: That's my struggle every day. Me and Cameron just, you know, it's really, really hard, guys. Yeah, you You are
1: laying that foundation on pretty thick. (laughs)
0: Not my caked on foundation. You're supposed to beat the face girl, not put it in a coma. <laughs> oh, she's dead and deceased, okay? Dead and gone.
2: I've been going over and over my experience last night, Craig. It was amazing. I've decided that I'm a transsexual. I know it's the craziest thing, Gray. What are you fucking nuts? No, it's just that for the first time, everything just felt right. I've got to make sure. But if the feeling is still there,
0: I'm gonna talk to Doctor Feldman
2: about sexual reassignment surgery.
0: This is absurd. Besides, Feldman is an allergist, and if you're gonna do something, do it right. We talked about this a million times. Cameron gets a. Best Supporting Actress nomination at the Golden Globes, BAFTA, and SAG Awards. Um, so this was kind of her coming out as a serious actress, putting everyone on notice. Like, hey, I am not just here to be objectified. Um, and people did take notice. And for the next, um, you know, through the odds, the early odds, at least, she is in more pictures that um, ask her to do more. Uh, so she does Any Given Sunday in 1999. Um, where she plays a young team owner. Um, I get a lot of these movies I saw a while ago.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I rewatched it. It's almost, I mean, you guys, you made me watch an almost three hour movie about football. Like, why are you doing this to me? Gavin, just
0: embrace being masked. God. Oh my God. So anyways, was tossing the pigskin around. Just and you like, and Al- yeah, you and Al Pacino, your favorite Al Pacino movie. Tell me about your favorite Al Pacino movie, Gavin. <laughs> So it's me and Jamie Foxx. Sorry, he prefers
1: Jim. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, she, that movie is like, I saw somebody describe it as a tone poem on football. <clears throat> it's, it's a lot. It's um, And I don't know if she particularly great in it. Uh, But she's fine. She's like a means to an end. She's, you know, not necessarily... She's the girl.
0: She's the girl, girl. exactly. In the 90s, every every movie got one girl, okay?
1: And And, Cameron
0: Diaz just happened to play it a lot. Yes. Uh, Thank the Lord, in 2000, they decided to make a movie about three girls. (laughs) Um, Yeah, 2000's Charlie's Angels, um, which fucking... Like, I, I haven't mentioned this, but Cameron Diaz is one of the um, highest grossing actresses of all time. Yes. Um, And for, you know, she doesn't have like, she's currently not acting. Um, You know, she cut her career short because she wanted to, not to say that she might not come back out of retirement later, but like for such a limited, um, you know, canon and especially filled with what I think, objectively, a lot of people would call as bombs and failures. She is still just one of the most successful actresses of our generation.
1: Yeah, as of last year, she was worth $140 million. Casual. No big deal. And speaking of Charlie's Angels, it's not like there was pay parity between Mm. the three leads. She was paid the most. I believe, and I these these figures might be a little wrong, so I'm not. I'm just. She was paid around the ballpark of like 13 million. Drew Barrymore was paid around the ballpark of eight million. But she was also a producer of the movie, which means she probably actually made about 40 million on the movie. And Lucy Liu was paid one million.
0: Yeah, Lucy Liu certainly was the least paid, and I think most people are familiar with the fact that they offered that originally to Tandy Newton. Um and she was like, this is beyond disrespectful. Yeah, like as like the one woman of color on this film, um, and that fucking sucks. But I am also so grateful for Lucy Liu and her involvement because she is excellent in the movie. Charlie's Angels is a huge success. In a couple of years, we'll get a sequel. She's funny. She dances. She's charming. She, I mean, this is like you know, this movie knew what it needed to be. um, And she did what had to be done. One
1: of the things I really like about her in those films is she's sort of playing to her strengths. I think, you know, she's playing like a a character who's deceptively smart Mm -hmm. and she's a little silly and she's very warm, but she can also be incredibly tough and grounded when she needs to be. One of my favorite moments in the first movie When it comes to her is when the bad guy has decided, when the bad guy has revealed himself and he's decided to pick them off one by one and a guy attempts to choke her to death with a (laughs) chain in a bathroom and she completely flips the script by flipping him and holds him in place with With her her little boot. With her little boot. Yeah. And it's like, obviously the physics on that, a little questionable, but she makes it believable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Flip your goddamn hair. I mean, <laughs> so so good. I also love,
1: and I, I mean, I would rather just talk about the movies as a pair. The first movie is a classic. The second movie suffers a lot from sequelitis. You know, it's it's everything that you got in the first movie times one thousand. Right. Uh, but I really love her relationship with Demi Moore. It's d- not very huge in the second movie, but the first time when they meet, there is sexual some... chemistry. There's something there. Madison Lee,
2: Natalie. Oh, my God. How did you know? I get the newsletter. Of course. <laughs> wow. God, I've heard so many stories about you. You're my favorite angel. She won the Nobel Prize in astrophysics for her research on flying mammals. And predicted Carmine DeSoto's every move by using the Cosmo bedside astrologer. I also set the clock on Charlie's PC. And she invented the Muller
0: bike. Dylan and Alice. Yeah. <laughs> the second one is classic in its own right, just because, like, I think all the parts are there, but, like, I think yeah. the pressure and, like, added whatever. But, you know, me, I mean, the storyline of just, like, Demi coming back, doing yeah. all that, there... It certainly is not a stinker, but the first no. one is. The next big movie, you know, in 2001, um, I just watched this today, was Vanilla Sky. Um... I literally had to Google. I was like, when was this released in reference to 9-11? It was (laughs) three months after 9-11. Yeah, Cameron Crowe refused to remove the Twin Towers from the film.
1: He's so brave. Wow. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel every time I watch a Cameron Crowe movie. So,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, it's the Jerry Maguire assholes again. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, here's what I'll say about Vanilla Sky. And this is like... I had never seen it before, so I'm watching it out of outside of the context of the time when it was released. I remember like the big um media circus around this movie. Uh yeah. this movie made a lot of lot of money. I remember it was people were like, This was when we first realized Tom Cruise is a, a weirdo. Like this was the era of him like jumping on Oprah's couch and like, yeah. you know, Scientology I've, becoming like just rare.
1: before that, because he hadn't dated Penelope Cruz yet. So, so like, we're not quite there yet, because he goes to Tom Cruise and then Katie Holmes. That's right. We only know the lineage of Tom Cruise based on the poor women that have had to deal with him. He's
0: terrorized. (laughs) Um, I will say Vanilla Sky for, like, at the beginning, I'm like, this is nonsense. That's just, like, you know, kind of navel-gazy. But I will say the gag at the end did get me. I was like, I knew there was something coming. I knew that like there had to have there was going to be a reveal, Um, but it for me even though it's shaky quaky like it does stick the landing and that's just I've I only watched it once I've heard people say like you have to watch it multiple times to like yeah
1: because there's hints and dips and dabs and pop culture references and yeah 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 I've heard all that
0: but I will say like. The music is so 2001. Yes. Uh, the radio head of it all. The see.
1: strangest music. Use. So I also rewatched it. I had not seen it in years. Um, I, Dan Mecca, former guest who was on our Jane Fonda episode, he thinks I hate this movie. I never <laughs> said I hate this movie. I just, Dan, if you're listening. <laughs> I, I just don't love it by any means. And I will say, watching it again for this, I appreciated it even more, but Still, I still don't love it. And I still like and listen, not every I've said this many times before on the show. Not every character has to be likable. And we're actually going to come back to that with Cameron Diaz. But not every character you play has to be likable. But I do think there has to be something for the audience to latch on And my biggest problem with Vanilla Sky was when you get to the end, what has that character learned?
0: Right. I mean, I think like the the fatal flaw of this movie is that Tom Cruise is playing like white everyman and it is making assumptions that we are all on this like one level of like ah yes maybe I shouldn't live forever or ah yes maybe I should love and be more kind like it's such a privileged place to be like <laughs> to come down from his fucking ivory tower yes. as as the head of the not Condé Nast but basically Condé Nast like I think for me what I'll say about this movie is number one I think Cameron Diaz is very good in this I think she's really firing on all cylinders on things that she I don't I don't want to say that, that she shouldn't be good at but she hasn't been given the chance to do before she's like this woman in love she's a stalker she's sensual she I mean and she's very good and she has a very small window to do these yes. things and I think she's very good in it
2: <laughs> you <laughs> fucked me four times the other night David you've been inside me Julie, I swallowed your cum That means something.
0: So yeah. Four
2: times. It means something, David. Four times.
0: Stop the car. The second thing I'll say is, like, if you go into this movie knowing, like, and removing yourself from the fact that, like, this man is supposed to be an everyman, but is a very specific man. I do think it's an ambitious movie. I do think there is some style there and I do think it's like a time capsule of the time period that is very interesting to revisit now.
1: Yeah. Um
0: but and and it's 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 a, it's a, she's a, she's a thinker,
1: you know. I mean it's it's a remake, by the way. Yes. yes. So, and and I do prefer Abre Los Ojos um which actually
0: also has Penelope Cruz in it um in the same role. This movie also just like is deeply in love with some of the lines. Like, yeah. the line, she's the saddest girl that's ever drank a martini before, or whatever the fuck the line is. They say it five times, and I'm like, okay, we get it. You love the well, line. Well, that's like,
1: the you know, you can't appreciate the sweetness in life without a little a bit of the sour. sour. Yeah. Got it's like, it. Got it, okay, guys. Okay,
0: thank you. for, for a movie Oh, my God. Like, is that true? Like <laughs> for, <laughs> for a movie so wrapped in mystery and, like, shrouded in, like, whatever, some are very pointed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but okay, let's uh, to end our Vanilla Sky talk. She gets a Golden Globe um, nomination, a SAG nomination, like all the, she is the one that stands out from the movie. Everyone's kind of puzzling over the movie and like, what does it mean? And like, is this good? The only thing they can actually, you know, come to a consensus on is that Cameron Diaz is the star of this movie. She is the shining beacon of everything in this movie. Um, okay. Also in 2001, a little itsy bitsy movie named Shrek comes out.
1: Yeah, little indie animated film.
0: Yes, yes. Um, never been done. Never been seen before. Um, does snatch the first animated Oscar. Um, and yeah, Cameron Diaz is living off Shrek money now. Is all you guys need to know. <laughs> Shrek is paying the bills. Okay, uh, she plays. Uh, she voices Princess Fiona. Um, If you haven't seen Shrek, what's what's stopping you, babes? Um,
1: And also, if you haven't heard us talk about Shrek, we did a whole DreamWorks animation uh, episode. But speaking of Cameron Diaz specifically, it's nice because it's playing a little bit off of the Cameron Diaz that we saw in Charlie's Angels, except that they've taken the ditziness away. So she's... This incredibly confident, incredibly competent princess who mm-hmm. doesn't need a man to come save her. And that's the subversion of the character. And honestly, I think her vocal performance in all four of the Shrek movies is some of the highlights. And yeah. it's nice to have her, you know, play this sort of silly straight man to the nonsense coming out of Mike Myers, to the nonsense <laughs> coming out of Eddie Murphy. Brilliant nonsense. I don't yes. I don't want to downplay their roles, but She's there, and it's rare that her character is placed as the butt of the joke. And I also think that's a really important thing. I know there's been some revisionist history surrounding Uh, Shrek uh... in the last couple months about it not actually being a good movie. But honestly, both Louie and I revisited Shrek recently because we did the DreamWorks animation episode. It's funny. It's a kid's movie. It's not that deep, guys. And it's actually the portrayal of the princess is better morally than most portrayal of princesses in these movies. So
2: that's what all the other knights did.
0: Yeah. Right before they burst the flame.
2: You know, that's not the point. Oh. Wait, where are you going? The exit's over there.
0: Well, I have to save my ass.
2: What kind of knight are you?
0: One of a kind. 2002. Um, she stars in the sweetest thing. Another movie about three women. Shocker! (laughs) Um, The sweetest thing, I I think, is like a a cult classic amongst the gays and the gals. Um, It's like a moderate success. Um, I'm traumatized to when I rewatched it and I was like, oh my God, Jason Bateman before he became like leading man, (laughs) Jason Bateman, like he was playing like asshole best friend characters. Probably
1: um, closer to the real Jason Bateman. We got it. Understood.
0: Not, n- not, 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 not wrong. Not wrong. K- kidding Jason. Sorry. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, what I love about The Sweetest Thing, like this is a movie that is unafraid to be like, yeah, we fuck. Girls, fuck. And can be players. And I don't care. How about that? Um, it's very silly but and very dumb, but it is the perfect, you know, sleepover movie um you know to to not to not be taken seriously is what i would say you know Uh, i didn't
1: didn't like it for the longest time i'll be perfectly honest and i think it's because i really saw it as a, a female version of there's something about mary and i was like oh this because even the way it begins with the sort of interviews with all the men that have ever been obsessed with Cameron Diaz. Right. And I was like, "Uh, I don't, I was like, do we really need this? And I'll be honest, I watched it today and I had a really good time. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was just in the wrong headspace. I didn't rewatch it when we did Parker Posey. I maybe should have. I know her role's not huge, but she's very funny in a very limited amount of time. Yeah. And Cameron Diaz is very funny in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this, to me, feels like... And I I don't know a lot about this movie, and maybe I should have done more research, but, like, this feels like a movie that is somehow freed from, like, hetero garbage. Like, somehow, they're like, we're going to be in San Francisco, in Chinatown, and have a musical moment for no reason. We're going to have a montage for no reason. We're going to have a road trip movie for no reason. Like, everything, like, everything in this movie is just silly and fun... Vanilla Sky is a thinker. The sweetest thing is the exact opposite. we're just not thinking. We're just having fun. Um, Selma Blair, like, is just like the prudiest little prude who's also a bad girl. Um, Christina Applegate is. I mean, it's it, it's all good. Like all the gals. I think Christina Applegate is really fucking good at this movie. Like she's. I know Cameron is a, the star, the one who's driving, but I think Christina Applegate kind of like steals I mean, the show. Yeah, she's I, f- fucking I fucking fucking love.
1: Kristen Applegate. So, so. Uh, You get no argument from me, sir. Thank you.
0: Um she returns to her swings for I don't know, Oscar notoriety, I guess. Um she does Scorsese's Gangs of New York, which I can't even say that the accent work is shaky quakey. It is just not there. Yeah.
2: Go back to the points and leave me to my business or I will open your throat. So help me God.
1: All right. Go on then.
2: I would.
0: She's allegedly Irish in this movie. You know, the my biggest
1: problem with... She's she's not good in the movie, so I don't no, I don't want to no. mince words about this. She's, Period
0: pieces not for Cameron.
1: Yeah, she's bad in the film, but part of this badness comes from if you were to edit out her scenes, the movie would not change. She is a prop, and it's very frustrating to watch one of who we consider contemporarily one of our greatest filmmakers make a film. In which he can't even have a leading woman character. He can't do it. He literally yeah. can't. And, and, and yeah, and, and, and he's done it before, though he has. And I will say, there's Scorsese films with strong women characters. There absolutely is, and and I will argue that point. But this is not it. She's not. She's non-existent, and she doesn't need to be here. And so it's it's insult to injury because she's bad, and she doesn't need to be there. And yeah. honestly having her or Leo try and act against Daniel Day-Lewis is just like, why are they there? It, who, he's a, who did
0: this? Yeah. This movie is a Daniel Day-Lewis black hole. And I'm so sorry, sweeties. You are getting sucked right in. Uh, <laughs> he is a tornado in this film. To round out the early aughts, you know, she, we talked about Full Throttle, um, the Charlie's Angel sequel. Uh, and then she does Struck 2 in 2004. Um, I did want to mention around Full Throttle that um, video photo shoot resurfaces. Yes. Um, the guy who did the photos and, and the video shoot, he tries to blackmail her, essentially, yeah. being like, give me money or the shit's leaking. Uh, she fucking did not. She says, no, fuck you. Goes to the police. Um, and he alleges that he doesn't release it. But um it does get released in like russia it ends up in russia somewhere um i did not don't look for it guys yeah don't uh, don't um but sh- she that that guy fucking goes to jail so uh yeah. which good
1: um no that's a huge invasion of privacy don't be a scumbag i know yeah i know we live in a a terrible capitalistic time of late capitalism and i know everybody needs money but there's better ways to make money if you have dirt on somebody don't do this revenge pornography shit it's disgusting and you're awful if you even consider it
0: yeah literally there are sex workers who will be happy to give you what you want and need absolutely um um, i bring that up though because also at this time she's dating justin timberlake at the time and she sues um, American Media Incorporated, which is the owner of National Enquirer. They run a story about her that she's allegedly cheating on him, um, and she's like, "I think the fuck not." Um, and they apologize, remove the story, and give her quote substantial damages. Um, so good for her. Uh, in two thousand five, she starts she starts the the middle of the odds strong. She 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 stars in um, in her shoes. Uh, with Tony Collette and Shirley MacLaine. Um, I had never seen this movie before. (gasps) I know, I know. Gasp. Gay gasp. Um, But the first thing that comes to mind is, it is so disrespectful that she is the only one on that fucking movie poster. (laughs) There's there's an alternate movie poster that is both
1: her and um, Tony Collette. But I will say, the entire advertising of that movie they didn't know what they had the studio yeah. didn't know what they had and that's yep. the problem i mean they they created an entire animated opening sequence and then decided to scrap it when they realized it wasn't that type of comedy right no absolutely no 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 like, and so they they sell it as this frivolous comedy about this woman who can't get her life together and her sister yeah. who who can't do anything but get her life together and yeah. it, it's like it's, that's not that's not what this is, babes.
0: Right. It's watching this movie, you definitely can feel the Oprah bestseller novel yeah. behind it. Like you I'm like I think Tony Collette is amazing. But watching this movie, I was like, Oh, in the book, she is actually like an overweight probably yes. more homely person than you yeah, described.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah this, the, the breakdown scene, and I know we're here to talk about Cameron, but the the breakdown scene that Tony Collette has when she's freaking out about her stepmother calling her fat is well-acted. Yes. But it
0: she's having to act
1: because she's yes. like, look at what a monster I am. And it's like, baby, 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 no. Yeah, no. I mean, like,
0: Tony Collette, who, I mean, <laughs> she's a normal... Beautiful woman, and I just was like, "Huh, they were." It boggles the mind to think that there were um, studio execs somewhere who were like, "Who is hot, but not that hot? Who could we get? Who we could theoretically call fat in Hollywood?" And they landed on Tony Collette, yeah, which is a choice, but she's really good in this movie. I think Cameron's really in this movie. I will say, at the beginning, I was like. God, Cameron Diaz is so unlikable. Like this character is so unlikable. But
1: it's such a but, sweet movie. But I'll be honest, I I, I kind of think she shines when she plays unlikable. We'll talk We'll talk about that in a moment. But I but I I do think she's there's something about it when she when she hits those notes.
0: When those good girls go bad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um she d- In the following year, she does The Holiday with Kate Winslet. I didn't know that The Holiday was a Nancy Myers movie. My Me neither. Li- my whole life, I've been watching The Holiday and not even thinking when Nancy Myers was behind this. I'll one-up you. Not
1: my whole life. I had never seen it before.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. The Holiday was your in her shoes. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's uh, a delightful film. It's it delightful. truly is.
0: I will admit that I think Kate Winslet's story is is more fulfilling.
1: I I 100% agree. I was shocked to find out that the the like quote-unquote love story that I, I don't know why I put it in quotes, but I'm gonna uh quote-unquote love story begins for Kate Winslet after an hour has passed. Yes. Like yes. Kate Winslet's story isn't about that. It's it's about something so much more. And I'm, I know I'm, and it's
0: it's so much more but like it's so much more meaningful and like yeah. less trite, especially because her whole like She's trying to escape from men, you know. Like, a mat like the love that she's looking for, or like, is so inspired by, is the love of a passion. You know, a love of of, of this dedication to this work that this man has, you know, done. Um, yeah, the holiday is a delight. It, it, Absolutely. It,
1: uh, yeah, I'm gosh. I'm very much in the camp of Winslet's story is is better, and and while I do I do like cameron diaz's story and i think she's good in it and i think jude law is beautiful <laughs> especially that era
0: jude law that that era when he was letting his hairline recede um this was pretty you know and and no judgment girl send me to your doctor um <laughs> but uh yeah i also like jack black in this like yeah he's, oh no he's great he's turned down he's soft like it's it's very good Um, I know plenty of girlfriends who are like, this is on the Christmas rotation.
2: Or maybe we should just realize that what we've had these past few weeks has been perfect. And maybe it won't get any better than this. And maybe we're trying to figure this thing out because it makes us feel so good to feel this way. And maybe the fact that I'm leaving in eight hours makes this far more exciting than it might actually be.
0: Maybe. Maybe. You're seriously the most depressing girl I've ever met. And the following year, she does what happens in Vegas with Ashton Kutcher, which I don't think I had ever seen. I certainly um, had not. Suffered this. Um, not as bad as I thought it was going to be, is what I was saying.
1: <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. I did not want to spend time with these people. I wanted the the... War of the Roses ending for these people. I wanted them both to fucking die. But that being said, I really like Cameron when she's unlikable. And she's certainly unlikable in this movie. Uh but no more so than Ashton Kutcher, who once again, as we've pondered many times on this show, why?
0: I had no idea that this was the movie that was gonna make you pop off so damn hard.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. This isn't this isn't even my one-star review. And I still hate it. I'm
0: scared. I'm scared. I
1: hate it, Louie.
0: Mama, I hated it. I, okay, so we, it must be said, we are getting into the territory of, and it might be this, like, a timing thing, or, like, you know, what was happening in movies was, like, they were all, like, okay, what if we get Hot Funny Girl and Hot Funny Guy and make them do a thing? And this movie, it reminded me of Charade only in that, like, these are two aggressively hot people and like the movie is making them like into this nonsensical, um, you know, situation and like how shall they interact? Because I was thinking like, you know, these types of movies, there is precedent for like why these are made, you know, like there have always been like these two yeah. hot people who can't stand each other and then but through circumstances that are usually like crazy um, they slowly realize that they love each other or whatever. And so like it, honestly, I did think about charade and, you know, that relationship. um, And just a lot of the movies of that time, like, you know, Cary Grant, um, is it bringing a baby with a fucking Jaguar? Yes. Like uh, those relationships and those type of things of like, these are obviously such hot people. They're obviously going to end up together. Um, But I'm not saying that this movie is nearly as successful. Yeah, you better not. <laughs> I was like, and that's why I think this movie is better than both of those. <laughs> um, I, I was going to
1: say, comparing this to charade and meeting for all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're not making it to 100, babe. I'm so sorry.
1: Um, I, I will say this, uh, you know, our, our good friend, Manish hosts a podcast about rom-coms. I, I, I like rom-coms. I think rom-coms definitely deserve a place in film history. I think they're important, and I think they're a very valid genre of film. I will say, somewhere in the early aughts to the mid-aughts, we just started making rom-coms about such awful people that they became a miserable experience, at least for me. And so when I watch something like The Holiday and I see these lovely people who I want to spend time with and want to root for. And then I watch something like What Happens in Vegas, and I just wish they would all fall off the Eiffel Tower. I,
0: I mean, what is, I, I don't know. You said, though, that you enjoyed Cameron when she's playing a bad girl.
1: Oh, I do. That doesn't mean I don't wish ill of that character.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. I will say that this... This seems to be the beginning of a trend that we are going to see for films to come, I would say, until the end of her career. Um, It's not exclusively what she does, but it's a lot of what she does. Uh, In 2009, she does My My Sister's Keeper and The Box. There's more Shreks that come along. Let's zip through this. Um, In 2010, we do Night and Day, a reteaming with Mr. fucking Tom Cruise. Where he's fully cuckoo He now. Is- oh yeah, they
1: and they have. Let me tell you, they have all the chemistry of oil and
0: water. Oh, it, <laughs> it is a wet napkin of a movie. Okay, yeah. I, like- there
1: are there's things I like in the movie. In all honesty, there's action pieces, there's action setups I really like. I don't understand what Tom Cruise was doing. I think he's annoying as fuck throughout most of the movie. Cameron Diaz isn't a character. The no. only thing you really learn about her is she likes cars. Daddy she, was a mechanic. Is that a turbo engine? Bloop 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 bloop. That's every other line. And honestly, it's frustrating to watch. And I know a lot of people who like this movie. He prison. drugs. He yeah, prison exactly. He drugs her multiple times. Undresses her redresses her like it is not okay to drug women my chemo take off their it's clothes. not okay i know strong take from me yeah i
0: know <laughs> um yeah that it's it's such a movie had never seen it and i wish i never had um she's in the green hornet remake with seth Rogen. Um, An- I, another
1: movie that fully doesn't need her to exist as a character much like Gangs of New York if you were to edit out her character completely even though she is the uh, the the like object focus of their affection both Cato and Green Hornet once again if you removed her from the film if they were if she was just a woman that they talked about off camera it wouldn't change the film at yep. all it's yep. so bad it makes me so angry because it's not even misusing her it's inviting her to do
0: nothing in the same year she's in bad teacher which is again kind of like
1: an awful movie that i think she's incredibly good in
0: yes um this was i i want to say was this not like around the era or perhaps inspired all the bad whatever movies yes bad moms um good for her i guess um I, I, there's some funny moments is what i yeah. will say. I mean, it's worth it to get to
1: hear her say things like, get that dick hard because I'm going to suck it like I'm mad at it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's funny to hear her say stuff like that because she's Cameron Diaz, but also, like, it's bad. And I... her character is bad, and there's no... there's
0: liter- like Her character gets a redemption at the end that is so unearned. Unearned, unbelievable. And it's like, if you're an honest asshole to children, you get to be a guidance counselor. It's like, okay... Um, Though I
1: did hate most of my guidance counselors, so.
0: So.
2: What do you want? Is that marijuana? <laughs> no, it's medicinal marijuana. I have a prescription and everything. but I'm not going to tell you why, because it's between me and my doctor. Oh. Okay, well,
0: feel better. Yeah, I think this is her trying to return to some... Uh, there's something about Mary, Glory, um, which, you know... Uh, She's in What to Expect when You're Expecting, which is horribly hate it so much. It's a lot of like little itty bitty things. We mentioned Gambit, um, which happened. She's in The Counselor, which is again a big like an ensemble film.
1: I think the thing that I will always remember about The Counselor, the thing that everybody remembers about The Counselor, is that she um, presses her vagina against the windshield of a car and and fucks it. Um, but uh, Apparently, in the original version of the movie, she, d- she was using a um, Barbadian accent, a Bahen accent, Ooh. and yeah. the heads of Fox made her redub her lines because they were like, she sounds like Rihanna.
2: Does the priest ever ask you about sex? He doesn't ask, but you're supposed to tell him everything. Suppose you've done something like really nasty. He doesn't press you for the details.
0: Oh my
1: God. no, oh, no. Yeah. So that's, we're that's g- that about the counselor. I refuse to rewatch it for this. I can't stand that movie. I know some people who think it's a masterpiece. I don't know what's wrong with them.
0: Put a pin on that accent work. Cause we're going to return to her later. Um, in 2014, she does the other woman, um, Nicki Minaj is allegedly in this movie. It's hilarious. There is like the first time, the first scene with Nicki Minaj, you can tell that they both were shot against doubles. There's literally
1: no coverage. There's no coverage. There's no shot where both of them are in the same nope. scene. no. Nope, I nope, think nope. till towards the very end of the movie.
0: Yeah. Nicki Minaj was like, I'm shooting everything today. <laughs> Period. Uh, not saying that Nicki Minaj is bad. It's just like, weird yeah uh, it's
1: like you can't be in the movie with Gamron diaz i know but also it turns out you're an anti-vaxxer so hey
0: so t- let's talk about that uh, <laughs> barbs do not come for us get vaccinated she three teams with jason siegel for 2014 sex tape uh again two people doing sex things for laughs um that that movie
1: doesn't exist in a queer world Like that movie, like if you were like, I'm going to make a sex tape, one of your friends would be like, great. Can I hold the camera? Like, that's what
0: a true friend does. Yeah, (laughs) I'll, I'll, do you have lighting set up? Yeah, exactly. What's our backdrop? (laughs) Are the linens correct? Exactly. Um, and her last film was, um, the 2014 remix of Annie. Yes. Reimagining of Annie. Where she plays um, Miss Hannigan, um, now named Colleen Hannigan, um, which we will talk about later. Uh, (laughs) She writes a couple of books in 2013. Um, They're kind of like self help body books, Um, one's called The Body Book Feed, Move, Understand, and Love Your Amazing Body. Um, and then she also wrote the longevity book, the science of aging, the biology of strength and the privilege of time. Um, she, so like, well, let's just talk about Cameron now. She is married to Benji Madden. You might know him as one half of, uh, good Charlotte good Taylor. Charlotte. Yep. Um, they have, I always,
1: I always forget that she's married.
0: No, I, I, <laughs> I love that she married one of the guitar guys. Like that to me is a uh, full serve. Um they have a daughter named Radix. Um She, she has... was born
1: through a surrogate, but that was after years of complications, and mm. it, it sounds like it was done for the best of everybody's health, which good. We have we have the good. science. Let's do that. Like make sure everybody's healthy and happy. Yes. Um but it's funny because she did say for years she kept saying I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. And now she's very happy that she did
0: both. Um, she launched an organic wine brand. Um, she's a big environmental activist. Um, she was very critical of the Bush administration. Um, you know, she's doing the work. You know, she, she um, was involved with the first and largest nonprofit organization for veterans Um, of Iraq and Afghanistan, the wars. Um, And she's been an an outspoken advocate for military families. Um, So she, you know, is a well-rounded human being. And one of the things I love about, you know, Cameron Diaz is when, and during this episode is hearing her talk about, you know, um, she gave up acting and, and wanted to retire because that's just not her entire life. And right. she, want, she wanted to own her life. She wanted to be with her family. She wanted to invest in things that she cared about. And, and she says, you know, if you're seeking fame um, to fulfill your life, you're never going to get it.
2: People, and especially America, this idea of fame, that to be famous means that you're successful, that you've, you're you happy. It's not about, I, I don't do what I do because I want to be famous. That's part of Being famous is my job, that's, I am not, when I'm home, I am not, and I'm with my family and my friends, I am not famous, I am me. And I'm Cameron, and that doesn't, fame does not define me. And so if you are looking for fame to define you, then you will never be happy, and you will always be searching for happiness, and you will never find it in fame.
0: And I just love that about her. She's so just cool and real and like, Yeah, I was gonna say it's it seems like she's
1: entered into a really genuine, honest portion of of her life. And she has said, you know, even though she's effectively retired from acting, if she wanted to come back, she could. But right now, that's not her. And she's got other things to do. Um, She's very committed to. Uh, As she said, you know, one of her heroes is Helen Mirren. And she's like, I want to age gracefully like her. I'm not interested in plastic surgery. I tried Botox once. I didn't like what it did to my face. So yeah, like...
0: Yeah, she's talked a lot about sexism in Hollywood. And she's like, I'm in my 40s. I have so much time ahead of me. And I, I can do literally whatever I want. And I don't have to... She said that... Working on movies is grueling, you know? The commitment to doing a movie was just so much and took so much out of her. She's like, I don't have to do this. Um, and good for her,
2: Girl, I am okay with that. Like, I'm not, there's no part of me that's like, I gotta get up, I gotta get back in front of the camera, like, or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I gotta go out, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel that way. And and I don't, I, and that's not to say, like, I won't someday. Yeah. But like I'm really resolved at where I'm at right now.
1: I think that's an excellent place to leave Cameron. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens with her career next, but we'll get to that in our fast forward. In the meantime, why don't we go into our one-star views and talk about the things that we didn't particularly like.
0: I'll go first. I'm just going to get it out there. I am so sad that I am having to choose um, 2014's Annie. Are you it, sad about that? I'm sad because that is the last piece of acting that we got from Cameron. And to leave on that note feels incorrect. It feels unfinished. Like and I, I know she has lots of time ahead of her, and I'm 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 excited for the day when she does if she does decide to return because that cannot be the final note on her <laughs> acting career. Annie is just I mean, for those who don't know, Annie is one of the most beloved American musicals of all time. Um, Was originally um, produced in 1977 um, on Broadway. Uh, It's about a little orphan named Annie who is in a an orphanage um, that is run by Miss Hannigan, who is a drunk and hateful, um, and this little girl who is hopeful for a better future, a better tomorrow. In 2014, make this again, but for a modern audience, and let's just say some liberties were taken. <laughs> the audio assault that Sia put us through with this film, "Prison," it, <laughs> and I, and beyond the gleification of these songs, the sound mixing of this movie there's a song where kovangene wallace who plays annie and rose byrne are singing a horrid rendition of i think i'm gonna like it here we're literally literally they've removed all of the other words mm-hmm. and just have them
1: say i think i'm gonna like it here seven thousand times
0: but they are so auto-tuned into the stratosphere their sound is somehow existing outside of the film. It is nuts. Okay. To the Cameron Diaz of it all. I am so sorry, sweetie. Uh, but my friend was like, have you seen in the original movie? Um,
1: Carol Burnett.
0: Carol Burnett's version of, uh, that, what's the song? It's like Little Girls Everywhere. Little
1: Girls, which is my favorite song from Annie. It's beautiful, it's body. it's brilliant. And I I don't want to steal this from you because this is not my pick, but I do want to say I think one of the biggest problems this movie has when it comes specifically to the character Miss Hannigan is you have to believe that this woman could kill a child and yet still like her. And Carol Burnett walks that line so perfectly in the original Annie and that is not happening here. They've decided that, like, Miss Hannigan's just sad yeah. and
0: stupid. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work. And Cameron plays it down. She's playing it down to the kids. This entire movie is playing it down to kids. Like, yeah. you know, the why people enjoy Annie is because anyone can see this movie and find, like, the inspiration, The the... The trauma, like there's, there's a lot here for everyone. This remake is literally like schlock for eight year olds, Uh, you know, and, and Cameron Diaz, beyond that, I don't think that she's probably a great singer. When she like enters the room, she's like doing this kind of like hunched over, like growly voice. It's, she's, I don't, I don't know what she's doing. It's, it's. Hey, you little kids, what are you doing in here? I told you. And it's like, are you acting right now or are you like playing a game? And so there's that. Number two, the style of her is insane. They're like, you're disgusting. And she literally has like these beautiful, for them, they thought, let's just put her in braids. She has a nice like loose braid and she's disgusting. I don't think she knows, Cameron Diaz surely knows what being a drunk is must look like or be like and meanwhile in this i i wonder if someone was like okay we she's a drunk but we cannot play her as drunk she just has to be like a she's mean and scary uh like cuz that is literally this entire performance it is and, and i'm going to take that pin out of that barbadian accent because this characterization is literally like what if this like white woman is kind of playing like quote unquote ghetto, and that's what makes her like sad and ugly and like unwantable. And they make Cameron Diaz do all these kind of like dog whistly quote unquote like ghetto things. And it's it's so uncomfortable. It's this this movie is so uncomfortable. And it sucks because I think Quivanje Wallace, um, has had proved that she was a a very good actress. Um, Clearly Rose, like it's just filled with so many good people, Rose Byrne, uh, Bobby Cannavale, Jamie Foxx. And it's like all of the pieces in this very fucked up, misguided puzzle um, kind of fucking ruined this American classic. Like literally make the movie adaptation of the original.
1: This is like and, it, and like it doesn't, it, and it's frustrating that they were like, "Well, because we're changing the races of the characters, we have to update." And it's like, no, you re- you no really don't they're gonna fucking burst into song. And also, sidebar: this movie definitely wants to have its cake and eat it too because it keeps doing this weird fourth wall breaking thing where people see each other singing yes. and comment on it, and it's like, "What are you? What are you doing? This is a real. This is a thing that's happening." and I'm glad and like I know this is not about Cameron at the moment but I am glad the tables have finally turned on Sia so we can talk about what awful terror Horrid. she put us Horrid. through with these updates of these songs but Cameron Diaz's version of Little Girls doesn't make any sense she nope. like added a whole chorus to it that like Little Girls was already the chorus so she added a second chorus to a song that already has a chorus
2: please kill me I'm serious please kill me I'm
0: song sounds the same every song sounds yeah. the same it's it's this it's the classic Sia like I remember when everyone's like Sia's a genius all these pop songs it's like no Sia found out how to make one really great pop song yep. and every song is that song now <laughs> Um. yeah it's a disaster a disaster
1: yeah it's truly a horrible horrible movie I started watching it today because I had only seen it once and I couldn't get through it I got two little girls and I was like enough jennifer lopez enough
0: yes um Um, so gavin hit me with your one star review
1: well i sort of alluded to it earlier but my one star review is 2009's my sister's keeper um i think this movie is despicable it's a film in which a daughter is suing her parents for medical emancipation because she doesn't want to uh continue donating to the cause of keeping her sister alive uh Cameron Diaz plays this sort of fraught mother who's at her wits end, who doesn't know what to do to, to save her child. And I was talking about it earlier about how I also think Cameron Diaz is very good when she can sort of disconnect from her emotions. And this movie is the opposite where this movie is like heightened, heightened, heightened emotions at all times. And she's not carrying, she's not carrying and it's, horrible to watch because this movie is designed in a lab to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. make you cry it has split narration it's multiple narrators who go back and forth and tell you their story cameron's character just feels like they were like keep hitting this one note babe you're really good and it's just not there. My thought process was there's a scene where she goes and yells at a nurse about the nurse saying that we should maybe move your child to palliative care, that she's not going to recover. And that scene... She's not a
0: nurse. She's like a woman who's like, "Have you, we're here to talk to you about Make-A-Wish yes. Foundation or whatever. Yes, yes, yes,
1: yeah. And that scene should be Shirley McLean, Terms of Endearment, I want somebody to give my daughter fucking pain medication. And it's not. It's like weirdly weepy, weirdly like all over the place. And it just, it's just like, I can't figure out what she's going for. She's an
0: emotional monster in this film and it's not well handled. That moment. It's so funny you brought that up because I remember when watching that scene, I think, first of all, I think I'm like less hard on this move than you are, but that scene specifically, I remember thinking like, what is this fucking writing? Because every other line is like, who is this broad? Death is a normal process of life. You need to acknowledge
2: that. No, I don't. Who is this broad? Have you spoken to Kate? Do you know what she wants? I don't care what anybody wants. We're doing the operation.
1: What operation, Sarah? You have an unwilling donor, Look, the hospital won't even allow it anymore without a court order. What, you think we don't know what's going on here? Your daughter is dying, and you might want to spend some quality time with her. Look at sister. I mean, even if you're less hard on the movie, you must admit, like, this is Lifetime Channel manipulative garbage, this oh, whole thing.
0: I it, mean, this, this is, like, The Notebook. This is, like, of it, that but era. It's,
1: but it's more so than that, because it really wants to trap you in the idea for two hours of the, like what it's like to lose a child but it's not but it but it can't just be about losing a child it has to be like what if her friend dies too and what if it's not really about medical emancipation what if it's that the daughter wants to die herself what if the lawyer has epilepsy what if the judge's daughter died too and it's like what is it's just scene after scene of it and the funny thing is is spoiler alert the book ends even more manipulatively because it's based off a book and I'm not going to tell you how the book ends but I was actually very pleased when I found that out that they didn't go with that ending because it's just like it's too much I had a friend in college I remember making him read the Perks of Being a Wallflower. And he was like, yeah, I didn't love it because it seems like everything happened to this kid. Yeah. And I was, and when I was watching this movie, I was like, that's what this is. This isn't just about losing a child. It has to be about all the pain in the world inflicted in your eyeballs. And on top of all of that, it looks like it's shot with an Instagram filter. It looks, you're,
0: not, you're not wrong on that. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: it's soft focus. It's She's Valencia.
0: It's Valencia. Yeah.
1: It's so gross looking. It's not a movie. Um in terms of that. It it doesn't look like a film. It looks like I don't know, your kid's viral post. <sighs> I, I I hated it. And I I will say if I do have to give the movie some praise. Um oh and also real quick the music choices in that movie are insane they are so i was like wh- why i'm listening to don ho's tiny bubbles what <laughs> is happening Re- the use of regina specter better but i if i have to give a compliment i will say sophia veselia who plays the daughter that is dying of cancer is very good in the movie and i don't think this is an easy role for anyone to play and i think she strikes the right balance unlike Everybody else in this film. I like Joan in the movie. Joan Cusack's fine. But once again, like they're they're asking such a crazy thing of her to like have that meeting with this child and for her to be like, oh yeah, your daughter died too. And like,
0: I was just like, why
1: are we doing
0: this, guys? This movie reminds me a lot though of you know. Not in the, like, content of it, but this book was clearly aiming to be that Oprah's best-selling whatever, you know? And it's—this is the type of book where the moms are going to be like, yes, this happened and this happened and this happened, you know, like— so And I'm gonna scream at my husband that I want a divorce because he wants to
1: take our kid to the beach. And, exactly.
0: Like, like it's it is the like soap this is a soap opera movie. Like it 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 you know. Um so But does it have to be so painful or manipulative? I so here's what I'll say. It absolutely is manipulative. Absolutely. What I'll say though, and I, I remember thinking about this, so I was like, is this movie good? No. I was like, what I will say is I feel emotional and it' I do have members of my extended family who have suffered from cancer. I do not personally know anyone who has passed away from cancer. I can only imagine the horror. So at some point I was like, this is all fucking awful. And I, and I'm sure dealing with cancer like this is fucking awful. I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not saying this movie is good. Um, but I do think like this compounding upon compounding of like horror, um, does kind of, like, I guess, serve that purpose. Though, I bet you there are plenty of people out there who would be like, this is um, cancer porn. You know, like, yeah. this is, like, our, everyone's so brave. Everyone's so, like, you know, la, 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 la. Um, but that's, you know, what the doctor ordered. Like, you know, they knew, they knew what the fuck they were doing. They were, <laughs> you know.
1: My my argument would be Cameron Diaz did not. <laughs> ah!
0: Yeah, I, I, I do think she's kind of... In over her head here yeah um but trying also... to keep her
1: head above water
0: <sighs> speaking of which well, uh, <laughs> are there any other movies Gavin, that you want to mention that uh were scraping the bottle of barrel
1: i mean i think we've sort of said our our piece on a lot of them but obviously the green hornet is so bad and once you know that and gangs in new york i don't think you should ever be in a movie that you can be removed from and the movie yeah. would still be the exact same movie. It is. I think both of those are not great movies either in general, but like, Oh boy, to, to be, to be that like right. forgettable. Right. Gambit. She's really terrible in um the counselor. Uh, but I also blame the way she's treated in the counselor. She got good notes for it. So maybe people saw what I didn't see. Maybe I was too disgusted by the proceedings, but
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I, I think like, i'm not even going to include what to expect from expecting because that is just like she shot a role in like a week
1: or something like that for that movie so
0: yeah that that's barely a movie the things that i'm mostly like kind of like is the like early 90s or like late 90s stuff uh head above water feeling minnesota which god help me that kind of stuff
1: so there are some stinkers in her career
0: absolutely uh let's get out of here though and talk about our five-star reviews (laughs) I have to give it to two thousands Charlie's Angels. Come on, it's a good pick. I I mean, there is literally no reason why this movie should work. I think we have seen a TV reboot and other movie reboots, both crash and burn, and yet in two thousand, McG was able of all to people. Find, of all people. <laughs> Was able to find the three right actresses, the right tone, the right style, and it just works. And Cameron Diaz, specifically, um, when I was watching, I posted to our Instagram the moment when she's dancing in her underwear and this like pizza delivery guy, or not pizza, maybe it's just a package delivery guy. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like, oh, hi. Good
2: morning. You know, I signed that release waiver, so you can just feel free to stick things in my slot.
0: The delivery is so perfect. So good. I think she sometimes gets overlooked um, when talking about Charlie's Angels. Um, because Lucy Liu like the fierce, badass one. Um, I think Drew Barrymore gets a lot of really fucking great lines. Yeah. And so... Cameron though is asked to do, I think, the hardest part, which is a lot of reacting, a lot of being told what to do by the other angels, because she is kind of like the ditz of the group. She is kind of like on she doesn't understand how like beautiful she is, outside of the confines of like work, you know? She like is I, I will I will say, and I do like that
1: she is sort of portrayed as like an idiot savant in the film. And my favorite thing, and I just noticed it this time without, but unlike previous watches, is when the the rising action of the mystery occurs when you're told what the mystery is the first thing she says is oh well she did it yeah you know what she's fucking right
0: and she (laughs) absolutely is right like that's a fucking gag like this movie is just like layers upon layers upon layers i will say there are some culturally insensitive moments that are very of the time i did Um, not
1: remember them did not seeing them i was like oh no
0: I will say that they are not as in poor taste as they could have been. Um, You know, like it's, and it's all in service of being spies. So not getting them off the hook, but like, it is not like they're not, you know, in fucking yellow face while they're wearing the kimonos. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Um, But yeah, I I think Cameron Diaz and also um, Luke Wilson, perfect perfect um when she's dancing on soul train just what i love about this movie again is like it's aware that these black people are like this white bitch is so stupid but she has something about her and we're gonna be stupid with her we're gonna like say yes white girl dance your ass off even though we are like welcoming you into a space that you are not like a part of um yeah i just think this movie She has a lot to do here that play to her strengths. And she is just perfectly, perfectly deployed. And also, like, she's doing action. She's doing comedy. There's romance. It's all here. And it's all so, so good.
1: I think that's a great pick. She's one of my favorite parts of that movie. And so I can't... I honestly can't imagine anybody... I can't imagine that movie without her. But I do want to give a little tea. Originally... She was supposed to be Jenny McCarthy. Huh. That would have been real bad. Speaking of anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. ways. <laughs> so my five-star review, and I'm just going to come right out and say it, is 2005's In Her Shoes. I think In Her Shoes is sort of a criminally underlooked movie. I, I agree with you when you say you can kind of see the Oprah bestseller strings attached to it. It is a little shocking that... This is a Curtis Hansen film. I mean, this is the man that directed Eight Mile just before this movie. But it's so deftly han- handled and so well played. Cameron is playing this screw-up. This sister of Tony Collette, she is a party girl. She's immature. Uh, she's been sort of coddled in her life. She's been taken care of by her older sister, Rose. And she's also secretly dyslexic and, ha- and has sort of punished herself for this uh, learning disability that she's never been able to get a handle on. Mm-hmm. I think there is just being armchair psychologists can't really diagnose her because A, I don't have a psychology degree, and B, she's not a real person. I would also say that this character, Maggie Feller, maybe has a borderline personality disorder she doesn't react to things the way that she should. She thinks casually it's okay to sleep with her sister's boyfriend. She thinks casually it's okay to steal money from her grandmother. And she does a lot of stuff that solely services her without feeling the empathy that she should be doing. And I think that's the nuance that I really love of what Cameron Diaz is doing in this movie is she's really, for a movie that would seemingly be very emotional, she is letting Tony Collette carry all those emotional beats. She's letting Tony Collette scream and cry, letting her yell, letting her get angry, <laughs> letting her threaten her stepmother with a knife. I am talking to my friend. <laughs> and, uh-huh, uh-huh. and Cameron is downplaying all those emotions. She's playing a lot of it, not flat, but hidden, veiled underneath and i think it takes a lot of actual work actual strength to take this sort of fun party girl character but hold it inside and you're not watching it's not calculated it's not like watching her and you're seeing the gears spin but you can watch her and constantly be astounded by like what is this character thinking? Like, what is she doing? Why is she doing it that way? And I think it's fascinating to watch. I don't want to give too, too much of the movie away, but as we mentioned, it's about two sisters. Cameron Diaz sleeps with her sister, Toni Collette's boyfriend, and then disappears because she goes to Florida to meet with her grandmother, who she thought she was dead. And while she's there, she ends up living in this uh, assisted living situation a senior's home and working there while her grandmother agrees to pay her dollar for dollar everything that she makes at the hospital at the same time tony collette's going through this revelation in life she doesn't want to be a lawyer anymore she starts walking dogs she starts dating a guy that she thinks might be totally wrong for her and it's really this story about these two sisters when you find about out about their mother and her bipolar disorder and the way that everybody disengaged from her mm-hmm. it's very sad
2: anyway mom said that we could each get one present and you got and nancy drew a nancy book. <laughs> i asked for a puppy and she got it, it was so cute i named him honey bun why'd you only have it for one day i guess dad thought it was a bad idea why i don't know i think he thought i was too young No, he was just mad. About a dog? About the whole day. He didn't have any idea where we were, and school had called. Oh. Really?
1: Yeah. He was
2: really panicked and really, really mad at her. Had a huge fight. I don't remember a fight. You were in your room with a record playing. I was? Yeah. Put you in there and turn the music on so you wouldn't hear them.
1: But very, very, very beautifully played amongst the sisters, especially when you find out how much Tony Collette shielded Cameron Diaz right. and kept her from these revelations. And that maybe was not the best course in life and maybe helped Cameron to become the person that she is. I don't know. I think it's a really fascinating psychological study of sisters of the love between family i think there's some corny dialogue every now and then tony Collette has this speech towards the end of the movie about how she'll never let her sister go and i was just like okay guys got it but i i don't know i think it's an impeccably made movie i think it's unfortunately you know sort of underseen certainly was not sold in any way shape or form but really delightful the uh
0: the poster friends rivals sisters
1: yeah just just not the way to sell the movie but
0: honestly if you're
1: in the mood for a good drama that's occasionally funny Mm -hmm. and uh but it's so funny because i do think that it was marketed as a comedy and nobody holds the camera on a scene that long in a comedy i'm sorry as an editor as an editor especially like you don't get those reaction shots in a comedy
0: I think also, it must be said, Shirley MacLaine is very good in this movie. Oh my God, she's great. Um, And it's wild because like, I don't think this movie is long, but I remember being like, it's an hour in and we're just getting Shirley now. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I think it's really well done. Everything feels earned. Um, And it's, yeah, they're just like kind of dealing with trauma. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine dealing with your trauma. Hmm.
1: And just seeing her and her ability to do this and then watching four years later My Sister's Keeper and seeing her and it's just like, oof, oh boy, night and day. You but know what? not want, the other not, night and day. Not night and day. <laughs> night and day. <laughs> Was there anything else that you saw that you particularly loved?
0: I think she is very good and there's something about Mary, even yeah. though that movie has a lot of issues. Um, I think she's excellent at My Best Friend's Wedding. Yes,
1: Um, absolutely my once again my best friend's wedding i love that movie i think she's good in being john malkovich i I think the the whole concept of her you know like oh my god we made her so homely like (laughs) turns me turns me off a bit and there's like the really unexamined plot line when she announces that she's trans that just feels like why why is this here we could we could live without this but but I think but I think she's all right in that movie, and I I think I think it is a good turn, and it's nice to see her try something different.
0: I will say I, I thoroughly enjoyed her in Vanilla Sky. If if you have the um, the gumption for a heady movie, uh, I would say sit down and give it a watch. She's very good in it. She it's a supporting role, but she uses every minute to like a T. Um and honestly I'd rather watch this than Jerry Maguire cuz fuck that movie. <laughs> um also and I know I mentioned it earlier the holiday
1: and I didn't even think about it yes. till now. It's another another woman who's like unconnected from her feelings. Like that's her whole plot line is like she can't even cry. And mm-hmm. I, love, I love all the stuff, her reacting to her brain making up fictional film trailers. I know. Yeah, she she has a lot of fun in The Holiday. And I, I think, you know, that's a great one-two punch, by the way, of In Her Shoes, The Holiday, back-to-back.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, Gavin, let's do our mixed reviews review. My one-star review was 2014's Annie.
1: And my one-star review was
0: 2009's My Sister's Keeper. My five-star review was 2000's Charlie's Angels.
1: And my five-star review is 2005's In Her Shoes.
0: All right, let's get into the fast forward.
1: As you mentioned up top, she is retired, effectively. Now, we've talked about other actors before, especially actresses of a certain age, usually when they have a child, go into a quote-unquote retirement, and usually return a couple years later. This does not look like that. And once again, she has said she could come back at any moment if she wanted to, but she has not made a movie in almost a decade, Yeah, which is so bonkers to say. It has been almost eight years since Annie came out.
0: Yeah, and I, from everything, like, you know, there's so, if you Googled Cameron Diaz right now, the first three, five pages are just articles of, like, why Cameron Diaz quit Hollywood. The true reason why. And it's, like, it's not that salacious, guys. It's really not. She wanted to spend time with her family, and she was tired. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, good on her. I think, like I mentioned earlier, she's... A multifaceted human being she never wanted to be an actress growing up you know right Um, and now I think she she grew up from a family who had like you know very middle class um, you know not a lot of means Um, and now she's like I have the means to live a fulfilled life that don't include this rat race of fame you know and
1: and listen and I don't want to say this like she's not making any money like she's not working and she's not doing stuff but I really fully appreciate one of my big hang-ups when it comes to rich people, when it comes to people who have a ton of money, is it always feels like there's no limit to mm-hmm. what they want. Correct. And it's nice to see someone be like, you know what? I don't have to do a $10 million movie. I don't have to do this. I don't have to stress out. I can make my own schedule. That's a big thing with her that I've discovered through these interviews. She's like, I get to make my own schedule. My day is mine. Mm-hmm. I don't have to surrender it to anybody else. I love that. I love that she feels a freedom in this. And also, I think on the other hand, we've mentioned a couple times. We mentioned between you know, the nude tape coming out or her having to sue a newspaper because they put out lies for her. I'm sure she loves not having the attention. I'm sure she hated the gossip portion. One of my favorite, like, quote-unquote, controversial stories over the years was, if you've ever seen the movie Lost in Translation, Anna Faris's character, who's like this complete idiot actress, is supposed to be based off Cameron Diaz because Sofia Coppola's marriage had ended with Spike Jones, and it's supposed to be like this meta commentary on his relationship with Cameron Diaz from from being John Malkovich. Guess what? Cameron Diaz and Sofia Coppola are friends now. How about that? So like I'm sure she doesn't want to be part of that whole gossipy you know and, and like that makes me happy. I'm happy she's happy. Do I need her to come back and start doing like fucking King Lear as King Lear. Do, do I want to no, no. No, that was never going to be Cameron Diaz. Nope. And we're, like
0: that's fine. What I love is, you know, she's been looked at and trotted around by people in power since she was 16. Um she deserves the break, you know. Yeah. Uh since she was 16 people have been objectifying her, you know, making her do all sorts of things and exactly what she said, you know, the conviction she's able to say like with her full throat, like fame is never going to fulfill your life. Like, I just know that she's had so many like moments to herself just being like, why? she was on the fucking set of Annie being like why am I doing this why
1: am I doing this and you can t- you can feel
0: it in that yes. movie
1: Yes. I mean she's I completely like, understand why you picked that as your one sorry I mean I felt it in sex tape I felt it in the other woman like you just knew it was coming she's, she's like, like I can't do this anymore
0: why do I need to be doing this like am I doing this for myself am I doing this for the paycheck what is going on and so for her to find peace and be like you know what I have a badass friend and she wants to start an organic wine company. I'm going to fucking do that. Yeah. I met this really amazing woman who also wants to talk about um, sexism and aging. I'm going to write a book with her. Like, I love that. She is surrounding herself with people that she um, cares about and feels passionate about. And she's, Doing what she wants to do. You know what? She is going to go on little um, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop YouTube channel and just right. chit-chat chit whenever she wants. Okay?
1: That being said, she's totally coming out of retirement for Shrek 5. We know it. We all know it. We all know it's going to happen. <laughs> there's another Shrek coming out? We talked about this. We talked about there's totally going to be another Shrek. <sighs> yeah. Either Mike right. Myers is going to die <laughs> mm. or there's going to be
0: another Shrek. That's one what's going to happen. One will happen. Um, all that being said, to Cameron... Thank you for your service and work. We love and we cannot wait um, for hopefully the return,
1: dearest friend Cameron. If I do ever meet you, can you please teach me your party trick of opening a champagne bottle with a sword? Please,
0: just oh, uh, real.
1: Because she she does it in Charlie's Angels. She does it in What Happens in Vegas. It's a real party trick she can do. I want to learn how to do it.
0: Cameron, tell us the ways. <laughs>
1: Congrats to her on truly living her best life.
0: Yeah, a life well lived, bitch, and she's not even fifty yet. No, no, she's
1: got up. She, she's got so much time ahead of her.
0: So I think that wraps up Cameron Diaz. Before we get into the whole spiel, mention it at the top. Next episode is episode one hundred. Gavin,
1: can you believe?
0: Um, dare we tease the gals on what's coming?
1: I think we should. I think we should tell them all about it, Stud.
0: Uh, Oh my goodness. You better shape up. So, we are going to have a five-star review uh, lip-sync showdown, essentially.
1: This season, there's a game within a game.
0: Absolutely. We are looking through all the five-star reviews... We are bringing our all-stars back, back, back again for the next episode. So, just so everyone knows, next episode is going to be kind of a little bit of a look back, but also a fucking full-out, drag-out um, bonanza of what is, what are the five shining stars of the mixed reviews. Um, me and Gavin will each bring five to the table. We're going to discuss, discourse, and decide... Of those 10, what are the top five of all time of our 100 episodes?
1: I cannot wait. I'm reading
0: my law books. <laughs> I'm passing my LSATs. What? Like, it's hard? Habeas Corpus? Wait, have, we haven't talked about her I don't think Legally Blonde is one of the movies available to us. No. Anyone listening right now, if there is a movie that you want us to bring to the table to bring back to All Stars, let us know. Slide into the DMs. Tweet at us. Um, Any movie that me or Gavin picked as a five-star review is eligible to be in the Lip Sync Showdown. Um, We're just calling it that because we're queers. (laughs) But (laughs) that's the format. Um, We're bringing our all-stars. Me and Gavin will will debate, um, and only five shall survive to be the top five of all time. Um, So get at us. Um, We're going to be going through the logs and and, and seeing what what goods to bring. Um, And I'm so excited.
1: Me too. Don't forget, there's several ways to contact us. So if you want to mention your favorite of our five-star reviews you can always tweet at us at at the mixed reviews
0: tell us on facebook just type in the mixed reviews
1: you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com
0: you can slide into our dms on instagram we are the underscore mixed underscore reviews and if
1: you want to listen to our 100th episode like you have listened to the 99 episodes before this, do not forget to subscribe. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Audible, Amazon. And if you do happen to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please go there, leave us a five-star rating. That's all five stars. And write us a little review, and we'll read it on the show, especially with our 100th episode coming up. See if you can get us to 100 reviews, because we've been doing this for some time. I I think we deserve
0: the treat. We do deserve a treat. We all deserve treats. Thank you guys so much. Um, it's going to be a very special next episode. Can't wait to get it to you. Until then, be well. Get in those shoes. And remember, stay safe
1: outside. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. We've mentioned a lot of anti-vaxxers in this episode. Don't listen to them. Don't. And we will see you in two
0: weeks. bye Bye-bye.